The cause was not even limited to Washington, D.C., where they were. Many other people had noticed similar events and would for several more days. Across North America, telegraph lines failed as though they were candles snuffed out by a strong breeze. For days after, accounts poured in of the night sky erupting with brilliant colors. These auroras were so bright, they seemed to turn the night into day. Many on the southern eastern seaboard of the country described the color of the eastern sky as blood red. The ocean, reflecting the sky, became blood. The brilliant colors were so intense that adjacent towns seemed to be on fire. The aurora, or so-called northern lights, appeared as far south as Cuba. Nineteen hours earlier, just outside London, a young man named Richard Carrington climbed the steps to his estate's private observatory. As a much-respected amateur astronomer, he felt a thrill each time he got to examine the sky. While many of his associates spent their nights watching the moon, comets, stars, and planets, Richard had a fascination with the sun. He had designed new ways of observing the sun, and in doing so, discovered that the Earth's local star was very active. Today, he was enjoying an almost perfect blue sky and had been sketching what he saw reflected on the paper beneath the brass telescope. This day, he found he was drawing a series of enormous dark spots scattered across the face of the sun. This in itself was not strange, as he had seen the mysterious spots many times, just not in this number. Suddenly, he noticed what he later called two patches of intensely bright white light, seemingly come up directly from the sunspots. After several minutes, the white lights vanished. This plume of star matter he saw had burst away from the sun with unimaginable force and was heading directly toward Earth at almost 1,000 miles per second. The impact was felt across the planet within just a few hours. The incredible auroras, the most benign aspect of the event. Another telegraph station would also feel the continuing wrath of the solar superstorm. On the morning of September 2nd, 1859, in Boston, the American Telegraph Company was to bear more witness to the phenomena. One of the young operators, David Selfor, had been unable to send or receive any messages since coming on shift. With telegraphs being a common modern convenience, people and businesses depended on their reliability. Here in the Boston office, David worked at one of the most updated of all facilities. Like most operators, he knew that unusually strong occurrences of the northern lights and other disturbances in the ether could cause occasional problems on the lines. The aurora lights the last few nights had been so bright that he had gone outside and been able to read a pamphlet with no other illumination. Mr. Selfer had feared the phenomena would likely give him headaches at work today, and indeed, that was proving to be prophetic. He had a queue full of outgoing messages, but he was having trouble connecting to any other stations reliably. Occasionally it seemed to help to disconnect the batteries, so he managed to get a garbled message through to the Portland main station to do the same. David was surprised to hear a message coming back from the other station. We'll do so. It is now disconnected. While the transmission lines between Boston and Portland were still connected, they were just dead wires. No power should be flowing through them now. David keyed back that he was disconnected as well, and they must be using only the auroral current. 
Indeed, the air itself was electric and powering the telegraph system better than even the batteries had. For the next several hours, this was the process they used to send and receive messages. Eventually, the electrical discharge dissipated to a point where they could resume somewhat normal operations. Over the course of the bizarre week, many were convinced that the end of the world was at hand. But what Carrington had spotted was the true cause for the strange happenings. The two white plumes on the sun were massive solar flares. They contained the estimated energy of 10 billion atomic bombs. The solar flares flung electrified gas and various subatomic particles toward Earth, resulting in a geomagnetic storm that was later called the Carrington Event. While other massive solar flares happen on a regular basis, thankfully most go harmlessly out into space. The Earth is a rather small target to hit. The 1859 super solar storm is the largest on record.